Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Prayers, Ron uh, Dara. Ron and Connie usually sit over here with Benny. They both have had bouts with cancer. God has healed them. Uh, the other day, uh, he got kind of woozy. They uh, had him checked out, and they have found a lesion on his brain. Uh, tell me if I'm right on this. Uh, a lesion is probably what you get right before you get a tumor. Is that pretty close? That sound pretty close to you, Benny? Close enough. Here's the thing. Uh, you got to understand that brain cancer is always uh, very serious, and, and usually it's, it's uh, fatal. But I think they caught this at a good time, and I think the doctors told him that. So what they're going to do is they're going to go in and uh, remove that lesion and then they're going to treat him with ra- radiation. And according to Ron, the doctor uh, was very optimistic. That's what he told me. So, and he's got a great attitude also. How many of you can expect with me for him? That's what I like. Now, as you turn to Acts chapter 3, let me challenge you on a couple of things. I want to talk to you today about are you expecting and a lot of you women say, no, thank God, I'm not expecting. There are certain things that you do in your life, and when you do it, you expect something to happen. If you've got a balloon, and you take a, a pen and stick it into it real quick, what do you expect? A big pop. Now, they tell me if you take a really uh, narrow-pointed pen and just slowly kind of push it in there, it, you might not get a pop, you might, it just might go. But the point I'm making is you are expecting something to happen. If you've got a loaded gun in your hand and you pull the trigger, do you expect something to happen? You know it's loaded, you pull the trigger, trigger, bang. That's why we, we tell our kids and everybody that you know that has a gun, you never, ever point a gun at anybody and the most dangerous gun of all is what? The unloaded gun. Because you think there's no ammunition in that gun so you must be okay. I don't know how many people die every year from the unloaded gun. Many times somebody else uh, had the gun. Maybe they went out and had some fun with it and brought it home loaded and you didn't know that. Always expect your gun to have a bullet in it. Okay? expectancy. Now let me ask you this. When you pray, do you expect? I want you to think about that a moment. You, I know, pray all the time, but I'm not sure you're praying with expectancy. When a woman is impregnated in marriage, her doctor will say to her, well, you maybe you're three months along, takes nine months, uh, 
They can look at a calendar, so uh, six months later, six and three is nine, and the doctor can say, well, you should expect uh, the little bundle of joy to come about this date. Expect him. Now, it's easy for us to expect there because we know science tells us about how long it takes to uh, gestation period for a child. And so we expect that. Now, in this story, you've got two of the disciples, Peter and John. Keep in mind that Jesus had, had left. He was resurrected. He came back for about 30 days, and then he was resurrected into heaven. They saw him go. They saw him fly. Can you imagine being there? If you had actually seen Jesus with your eyes flying like a bird, would you agree with me that that would, that would elevate your level of expectancy? And yet, you may not know this, but even those disciples who saw all of those miracles, they didn't always expect every time. There was enough... Uh, stuff going on where they were beaten, thrown in jail, that they got to where they were expecting one or the other. Might be a miracle today or we might get beaten and thrown in a cell. And so the devil uses that to deal with your expectancy. And that's one of the reasons why we're not seeing as many miracles as we should be. I was watching uh, on the internet uh, this morning before church, and I'm not going to mention the name, you'd all know him, who, I, who he was if I said his name, but this guy's very well known, but he's not charismatic and he's not Pentecostal. And in his message as I was listening to it, and, he, and I, I pulled up the very same scripture I'm going to lead you in, and he uh, reminded us who were listening that uh, only the disciples, I couldn't believe he even said this, only the disciples had the miracle ministry of Jesus after he was gone. Everybody look at me. Mark 16, 17, Jesus in red in your Bible said, these signs shall follow the 12 disciples until the end of the first age. And the Bible's been completely written and then these signs will cease, right? No, that's wrong, isn't it, Eric? These signs shall follow. Then, no, I didn't say that. These signs shall follow those who believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. That's a misprint. Uh, it should be uh, they shall cast out the devil. There's only one devil. There are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of demons. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. Oh, my God. Jesus said that. They shall take up ser serpents, snakes, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's divine healing. Not just for the 12 disciples. It's for you also. And, it, and Jesus, listen to this, is so powerful. Jesus, when he left, said they were weeping. They were on his case. Some of them got mad at him. Hey, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You just got here, and we expected you to rise up against our enemies, the Romans, and we expected you to form an army and chase them out of our country. And they did not expect him to do what he did, die. Everybody look at me. 
if he had not died, you would not have eternal life. And you can expect that when you did die, uh, you would just be dead or you'd go to hell or somewhere else. But because of what he did on the cross, because, listen to me, God gave his only son, I only have one child, a son, and and ladies, I know I don't need to tell you this, but uh, men love their uh, male children and their female children, but to a man, there's something really special about a son. Amen? It just, it just is. And I was thinking about that one day, about God, how could you, how could you have borne that? I mean, it, it was almost impossible for me to even think about it. His only son, and he gave his son to us who didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. God help us. Peter and John were performing miracles in order to validate who they were and who Jesus was before his death. After his death, they continued that. The people that witnessed this miracle that we're going to read about in just a moment knew his story. He was brought to the gate. This guy that got healed here was brought to the gate every day. It was his job. How would you like a job where you go to a gate, you can't walk, somebody has to carry you, they plop you down in the same spot. In fact, you've been there so often that you, your butt has worn a, a groove in the stone that you sit on. It's your job, man. <laughs> this man who got healed was full grown. He wasn't a child. And people who are, you know, many times people are affected by what they've gone through in their earlier life, in their past. I did a survey, well, it's just a lip-to-lip survey, but I determined that of all the ladies that come to see me for counseling, 60% of them have been sexually abused. That's only the ones that would tell me. We have a scourge going on in this country. It's like men, and and if if you confront a man, he'll say, well, I couldn't help myself. Now we've got this African-American actor. I mean, he's been seeing that on TV and claimed that two men, uh, you know, met him in the street late one night and they beat him and put a rope around his neck and he was supposedly wearing a uh, Make America Great Again hat. What do they call it? A, a magma hat? MAGA hat. And now we find out that it was all a hoax. And now we also find, well, enough on that. I think that it's time we started crying out to God and it's time for him to take away those things that we thought we had forgotten about and for sure we thought nobody else knew about it. Did you know that you may, you you know, listen to me, people that are around you may not know specifically what you have suffered in your life, but they experience it with you because they see the ramifications of it every day they're around you. Some of you've got a, a bad temper. Well, you weren't, you didn't have that in the womb when you were, uh, you know, in there waiting to be born of your mother. You didn't have a hot temper. You got that later. And how did you get it? Thousands of ways that the devil can put that on you. And listen to me, it's the devil who does that. Amen. Lord help us. Here's a guy 
laying at a beautiful gate, but his problem is ugly. Most scholars believe that the gate he was sitting at was the beautiful gate, the eastern gate. I've been there several times, and it's, I can't tell you. In order to see it, you're better off going up on the Temple Mount uh, where the, the uh, people that are believers of Islam, they, they go to that gate and look at it. They also, if you're on the outside of the, of the fence, the gate, the wall, you will see a cemetery. It's also a Muslim cemetery. The Muslims believe in Jesus. They knew about the prophetic things that have been given for a long time that when the Messiah returned, he would come through that gate. Several hundred years ago, in that belief, the Muslims plugged the gate permanently. They sealed it back up with concrete and rocks. And yes, they had concrete back then. And they buried the gate. And you can see just the top of it today. Then, on the outside of the gate, they started a Muslim cemetery. Why is that? Because they knew that Jesus was, thank you, he was a rabbi, and rabbis don't go into cemeteries for fear that they would become unclean. So they built this cemetery. The Bible says in Zechariah 14, in the, not, the, not the rapture, but in the second coming, after the great tribulation period, Jesus is going to come down out of the sky, and guess what? You're going to be with him. You're going to be riding a white horse. Don't worry. if you. How many of you don't know how to ride a horse? Come on, be honest. Well, they'll give you lessons when you get there. And you're going to be with him, and we're going to be dressed in white, and we're going to step down on the Mount of Olives. And as soon as the foot of Jesus touches that mountain, it's going to have a, there's going to be an earthquake like man has never seen. It's going to literally split the mountain in half, north to south. That split is going to drive itself across the Kidron Valley and up the other side, right through that eastern gate. And there's going to be some people raised, not from the dead. They're just going to, they're going to come flying out of those graves. They'll still be dead, and there'll be piles of them down there at the bottom of, the, of that little valley. You know why? Because God's getting them out of the way because the king of kings is going to ride through that gate. Hallelujah! And he's going to declare who he really is. And you and I are going to be right behind him marching across there just like he is. And we're going to march our horses right up onto the temple mount. And our Messiah, the only Messiah there will ever be, will stand off of his horse, go up to the temple, and declare, your Messiah has arrived. That will begin the 1,000-year millennial reign where you and I will be also put in charge of certain areas around uh, the earth. I asked the Lord to give me, uh, put me in charge of all the jalapeno and green chili production. So if you want green chili, you'll have to deal with me. <laughs> so this guy had been laying at the gate for so long he stopped expecting a long time ago. He didn't expect anything. 
But did you know that your your miracle's not about money? It's about faith. And it's about expectation. Even people that are billionaires that are stinking rich, they can't buy certain kinds of miracles that they need. Can't even buy one. God loves you and so do I. Now let's look at this scripture. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together uh, into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms, that's money, small portions of money, alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask uh, an alms. And I, I'm, I got a problem. Can you help me? And Peter, uh, verse number 4, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. He didn't expect a miracle. He, he was expecting, oh, they're going to cough up some cash. That's what I need. I don't know if you've ever been on the street and seen somebody that's begging. We've got them all over Carlsbad. Don't, don't go walk up to them and give them a sack from uh, McDonald's. They might take it and they might cuss you out. I don't need a sack from McDonald's. I need money. Those are people I never give anything to because most of the time uh, they, they're trying to raise money to buy drugs. Then Peter, verse 6, but, but before I leave verse 5, remember at least he's got some expectancy of something going on. Verse 6, then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, there, we charismatics had a, a song. Uh, have we ever done that here, John? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then we sang, walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, let's, now look at this. This is fantastic. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him, now, now watch this, he, the disciple takes him by the right hand and lifts him up. And immediately, everybody say immediately. He, immediately, now keep in mind, this, can't, this guy can't walk. That's his problem. Immediately his feet and his ankle bones receive strength. Now you can imagine that. This guy's an adult man. He's never walked in his life. And you know, when you don't exercise parts of your body, they get in bad trouble, weak, uh, they, the, the muscle tissue is no longer there. And, and so this guy, this disciple grabs him and pulls on him. But look at verse 8. Now in, the, in verse 7, it's the disciple doing the work with God's help. In verse 8, it's still God, but now the guy that needs has the need takes over. Look at what he does. And he, leaping up, stood and walked. Folks, listen to me. That's expectancy. 
that's me, if I'm that guy, I'm like, I know God's more than able to heal me, and I'm not going to wait on anything. I'm going to take this guy's hand, and I'm going to let him pull on me, and I'm going to pull on him, and I'm going to stand up, and I am going to walk. Come on. And all the people, verse 9, saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Listen to me. He went down there every day. And I don't think they took weekends off. They might have taken Saturday off. But at least six days a week, he's at that same place. It's his job. Everybody knew who this guy was. Everybody. Verse 11, and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. Now, they weren't, listening to me, they're happy. They didn't run over this guy saying, hey, you've been faking it all these years, and you know, how'd you do that? You know, I, I, no, they're happy for him. They knew who he was. They know who he is, and they're happy for him. There were times when Jesus would heal the blind. You know, a lot, most of the time when somebody's blind, if you look at their eyes, you can tell they're blind because the muscles, uh, uh, when you're blind, your eyes do all kinds of weird things. That's the reason a lot of blind people wear sunglasses. Uh, who's, the, who's the African-American singer, blues, uh, soul singer? Stevie Wonder always wore black you know, sunglasses because your eyes do strange things. They knew in, in many cases, when they healed the blind, everybody knew that person was not making it up. He's blind. They knew this guy couldn't walk, and they're happy about it. They're happy about it. What a story. The thing I want to point out to you from this story is the man had to get involved. If you really need something from God, if you need a healing from God, you've got to get involved. Almost every time that God, uh, as he was, as Jesus was approached by someone who had a need, it might have been financial or a, a healing in their body, and they got their healing, he would say to them, what? Go your way, your faith has made you whole. Your belief system has made you whole, but faith's bigger than that. Faith says, I don't care what you say, devil. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care if this is a death sentence. Uh, you know, Ron Dara got a, a brain thing. I don't care. God says, he's more than able to heal me. Therefore, just as you pray, I'm going to expect. It's like when you put some food in your mouth and you haven't eaten all day long. Boy, that food tastes really nice. And you're expecting it to go down your guzzlet, whatever they call that, and into your little tummy and fill up that empty place, and you're going to like it. That's expecting something to happen. Expecting something to happen. Are y'all, am I here by myself this morning? Come on, get on this with me. Walk in faith. Now, there's always balance, and a lot of these faith teachers don't preach balance because they think if they do, they're preaching unbalanced. Lord, what has happened to us? They think if they preach the balance, they'll be uh, negative. And if they preach negatively at all, they won't get their healing. 
You know, God never expects us to lie. Come on. He doesn't expect you to lie about your condition. I told you about the lady in Kansas City. Uh, I had a, a, a prayer line. She was approaching me. She fell over a table. Literally got up and started approaching me again, fell over some chairs. By that time, some deacon guys ran over there and picked her up. And here's what she said to me. I said, Laney, what's going on? She said, I have really bad eyes, and I, want God, I wanted God to heal my eyes, so I threw my glasses away. That's what she told me. And there's a lot of people that believe that's a good way to get your healing. I, I beg to differ. It's like I told her, I said, lady, that's not the way this works. You pray and God healed your eyes and you know something's funny. So you go down to your eye doctor and he says, I don't know what's going on, but you don't need glasses anymore. And so you tell him about Jesus and he gets saved. <laughs> Are you all out there? No wonder that so many people in America and around the world thought us charismatics were crazy. Because sometimes we acted crazy. Let's get in the Word and expect something to happen. Expecting is not extremism. People love to get extreme about everything they're doing. Don't do that, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, don't do that. Listen to me. You could be so faith-oriented that you have no practical experience or logical execution. You want God to do everything for you, and all you have to do is muster up some faith. No. You remember the, the one guy that uh, I think Jesus, he was blind, Jesus spit in some mud? Now tell me why. He spit in and made some mud and squeezed it on this guy's eyeballs. Well, well, Jesus, I, all I needed was for you to heal me. I don't need a mud bath. Oh, it gets better. I want you to go down to the pool of Siloam, which is at the bottom of the Temple Mount. It's quite a walk down there, straight down. And they had trails that went down there. And by this time, there's a crowd. They're with, they're with him. We'll see what happens. They get down there, and he, wa he washes his eyes. He's obeying God. When you obey God, you better expect something is going to happen. When God tells you something and you come into agreement with him and your friends, the, the fellow uh, uh, people that are in your church, your, your people that love God like you do, you, you have them come into agreement with you. There's power in agreement. One can put a 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. And when you pray with expectancy, God's going to do something. Come on. He washed his eyes, and he came out seeing. The crowd went crazy. And you know what? There's, it's very rarely about one miracle. Did you know that God would like to have a situation where 50 people get saved? I mean, you know, on the hillside, and I've been to the hillside where he fed the 5,000. I've been on the very spot where they stood. There's a church there now, a Catholic church. And he, I forget, what do he have? Two fish and five loaves. There's 5,000 people on the side of that hill. One of the disciples says, you want, to, you, don't know, you want us to tell them to go on home and, so they can get something to eat? And Jesus always thinking about them. No, they're hungry. Let's feed them. And they're already in disagreement. We've only got two fish and, and, and five loaves of bread. Well, even a dummy knows you can't feed 5,000 people that. 
when will, when will you just start coming into agreement with God with expectancy? You heard what he said. Get those baskets and let's feed them. And as they walk down, passing fish out, you know, they walk three steps and now they got ten fish. And they walk a few more steps and they got 50 fish. And then all of a sudden a basket, another basket appears, another one. And they're all filled to the brim. Then somebody else brings a basket and it's full of bread. And before you know it, they've fed 5,000 people. And there was, mu- there was stuff left over for seconds. <laughs> you know, I've been praying for this church this last year more, more than is usual for me. I, and I know uh, uh, James will remember, and I was talking to a group the other day, there's a lot of things that you guys have been cheated out of and I'll, I'll take the responsibility for it. But I'm telling you also as your pastor, we're going to go back there where we left God. Are you listening to me? I'll give you a couple of examples. How many of you have ever been in a meeting where uh, the, the crowd started singing in the spirit? Oh, a lot of you in here have never experienced that. What, where did it go? It did, well, it just became normal, and now nobody even asks about it anymore. The, this is for you, John Wesley. The music leader is singing. Usually this is the way it works. And he's strumming his guitar, and suddenly everybody stops singing, but he keeps playing his guitar, and the next thing you know, everybody in the room, join me. Come on. Lift your hands. Now listen, that was without any musical instruments. They don't even want to stop. We're going back to that. You've got to understand, there's some things that God hates. There's seven things God hates. One of them, sowing discord among the brethren. But there's some things that God loves. He loves worship. Directed at him. First time I saw that, I thought, well, Lord, aren't you just full of yourself? I actually said that. And it's a good thing he loved me because he probably would have slapped me down. Listen, if you're the one being worshipped and you deserve to be worshipped, it's not presumption on your part, is it? And what I'm trying to get you to see is if you need a miracle in your life, whether it's in your body or you have a need in your finances, first thing you've got to do is get his attention. And you go and get somewhere, and you just, first thing you do, you're alone with God. Oh, good, I can tell him what I need. Now, God, here's my list. Here, what I, I mean, do you really think that God doesn't already know what you need? He already knows what you need. Well, what's the problem? The problem is, like I told you, uh, uh, down at the, uh, the, both of the retirement homes that we have here in Carlsbad. And as I go around ministering to those people, one of the biggest sorrows of their life I would say to them, uh, do you hear from your kids, grandkids? Oh, yeah, I hear from them when they need something. It'll break your heart, folks. Yeah, if they need money, they always call me. They don't ever come to see me. Are you all out there? 
four helpers. Four helpers. When you worship, you start your prayer time worshiping the Lord. Just forget about telling him what you need. He already knows. Just spend that hour or whatever it is worshiping him. First thing you'll see is that you've got his attention. And he will suddenly give, he'll take away the depression you had and he will lift you up gently and you'll feel like you're soaring on a cloud. And it's when you get like that that you start doing something very important. You start expecting. When a lady feels that her water broke, I will never forget that, honey. My water broke. Boy, what am I supposed to do when I get a Kleenex? No, we got to go to the hospital. We are expecting a child. And boy, we got we, we had practiced it. and We'd been going to uh, Lamaze uh, every week. How many of you remember that? <laughs> it's breathing. You're her coach, right? I'm her coach, and I have to take her through. Now, we got cheated out of that. Six weeks of breathing, and she had to have a cesarean. So I got cheated out of that deal. Probably good because I, you know, now they'll let you go in during a cesarean. Back then, they, they wouldn't let you in. But the point I'm making is when water breaks, when she feels those contractions coming, she starts, her expectancy gets, it starts rising more and more and more. She knows that something is about to happen. Her child is going to be delivered. And if you will raise your level of expectancy over what it is that you've cried out to God for, you will find out that that expectancy will get a hold of your faith and drag it up where it needs to be. And that miracle will take place right in front of you. That poor lady, 79 years old, in Israel, who'd just done a concert, Benjamin Netanyahu was in the audience. He's the Prime Minister of Israel. We were tired, dead tired. We'd get home from those things 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and we were down in a room. Some of us had cookies, and you know how it is, you and we had the door open, and suddenly the biggest crash you ever heard in your life. This seven, the floors were made out of marble. Beautiful. But they do that because all they had to do was mop them and they're clean. This poor lady, you got, you've got a stair place up here. You, you go down the stairs, and then there's another, what do you call that? Okay. And so she fell from up there all the way down to that next platform and landed on her head. And I'm telling you, it, it, the, the sound of it was, all, I thought it was going to shake the walls down in that hotel. And it, just right outside of our room, so I was the first one there. I ran out, and I, uh, she was on her back. I put my hand under her head, and I put my, pulled my hand back, and it was full of blood and brain tissue. And there was a hole on the back of her head as big as my hand. Now you start expecting something. Maybe you're expecting to die. You're this serious. Well, I, I looked at her and she looked at me and she just checking for breath. She didn't have any of that. She was dead. By then, uh, people in our 
music group. They were all Christians, spirit-filled Christians, had gathered around on, on the staircase there. And they were all praying, thank God. But they were looking at me, expecting me to do something. I was not only the uh, in the music, in the choir, but I was also head of the music department for that particular year. They were expecting me to do something. And I told them, I said, she's not breathing. You guys need to pray. And they did. And just like, oh, God, I don't know why he does this with me, but I didn't even think about it. I just slapped my hand on her face like that, hard. And I said, I rebuke you, spirit of death, in Jesus' name. It's happened to me three times. Same, same statement. And as soon as I said it, <gasps> she did like that and opened her eyes and fluttered her eyes and looked around. She was alive. The ambulance came. They took her to the hospital, and she was in Israel for eight weeks. She had brain surgery. Now, a few months went by, and I got a letter from her. Her name was Pauline. And she said in the letter, I understand that I have you to thank for my life. And I, when I wrote her back, I said, Pauline, I didn't do anything. You have God to thank for your life. The point I want to make to you is the next year she was in the orchestra. She was one of the finest violin or violiners, <laughs> violin players I've ever, ever known. She was there the next year. Now, let me ask a question. Why did this guy this morning on the Internet was saying, God's only doing miracles through those 12 plus one, one of them died, you know, uh, Judah died on, Judas died on the, hung himself, and they replaced him. But the point I'm making is he only, God only did miracles through those, those and no more. Why? Do, do they not, do, do, do any of us believe that, that we don't have problems today? just like they had back then. In fact, I think some of our problems are, are, are more serious than they had back then. I think life in general was a little simpler back then. Uh, the, only, the only difference was they had the Romans to deal with. But I assure you, every day when they got up, they met people who were lame, blind, or whatever. These were believing uh, Hebrews. They believed that the Messiah was coming. He didn't change, Jesus never, the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah never changed in its dogma from beginning to end. When he comes, he's going to heal the sick. Now, Jesus said when they were jumping his case about leaving, as I explained to you all ago, he, he looked at them and said, it's a good thing that I go. And they're shaking their head, why is it good? He said, if I go, I will send you the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, he will lead you and guide you into all truth if I go. You know what he was actually saying? Now get this. Jesus was saying, if I go, I'm going to send my ministry to you. And bigger than that, I'm going to come with my ministry and we're going to mishkan you. We are going to dwell inside of you. Everybody take your finger. God's right here. That's why Jesus said, The things I have done you shall do, and greater things than these shall you do. He, he rose, raised people from the dead. Why is it that we're not seeing that all the time? I think I told you about a couple of the doctors, smart alecky doctors here in Carlsbad. Several of them. Uh, who was the Jewish doctor, Liz? Uh, 
you know, that died. His wife was spirit-filled. Dr. Hoffman, I remember, remember him. Great guy, I loved him. In fact, he was my doctor. But you know what? He was a little bit smarty-alecky about some things. But let me tell you something. When you're faced with death, a lot of that changes. He didn't want to see me, but I saw it back then. They put their names on the doors. They don't do it anymore. But I was on the second floor, and here's, here's his name, Dr. Ron Hoffman. And I just, like the idiot I am, I just opened the door and walked in, and he, he, leaned, he turned over and looked at me. You know what he did? Just like that. Okay, I walked down there, and what, what can I do? You know what he actually said to me? Would you pray? He said, would you pray for me? That smart-alecky Jewish doctor who didn't think he, there even was a God, when he was faced, faced with his own death, all of that, the pride and all of that went out the window. And I did pray for him, and he did recover for a time. When, uh, a couple of years later, when he passed away, his wife and daughter called me. And, and they said, we are not having a funeral. We're having a graveside, and we're not telling anybody. We want you to come. Were you with me that day? Liz and I, the only people there were his wife, his uh, daughter and her husband, and Liz and I. And I took a prayer shawl, a Jewish prayer shawl, and put it over my head. And I prayed for him. And God started doing miracles. His daughter her whole countenance changed. His wife is spirit-filled, still lives here in Carlsbad. And Dr. Guterres, I mean, remember him, had the largest uh, private practice doctor in, in New Mexico. And boy, you talk about a smarty aleck. That guy thought he knew everything. And every time he'd see, every time he saw me, he'd make fun of me. On Sunday, we got to Furs Cafeteria. I wish they'd bring that back, you know. Some of the greatest ministry I've ever seen happened at Furs Cafeteria. And we, on a Sunday, and we're in the line, clear out to the parking lot. And so we, we go through the door, and now we're in where the food is. And, and uh, I hadn't got to the trays yet, but here comes Dr. Gutierrez in his little smart aleck way. Well, John, I hope you're praying for me. Out loud like that. So I, I said, I'll be right back. So I left my wife and walked right down there to where he was at. And I, I grabbed his hand. He said, what are you doing? I said, give me your other hand. And I got both of his hands and just the same level of volume that he gave me, I gave him. Lord Jesus, right now I pray for Dr. Gutierrez. He's a great man and he needs your help every day of his life. And he's doing this while I'm praying he's doing this. And when I finally uh, quit, I stopped and he Finally got his hands back. But you know what? About eight months after that, he was in the hospital, and he was deathly ill. And I don't know where he is now. He may be dead for all I know. But I went up there looking for him, and I found his name on the door. And there were all these sheets of paper on his hospital door. It said, keep out. Do not come in here. Check with the nurse. This means you. Just all over the door. I just opened the door and walked right in there. Now, here's what I saw. He's laying on the side of the bed looking at the door. His tongue's hanging out. And he, he looked like he'd already died, but he went. That's what he did, just like what the other doctor did. 
So I walked over there, and, and he said something. I couldn't hear him. So I, I kneeled over like this. Here's his mouth. I said, what? He said, pray for me. Please pray for me. Little smart elky Catholic. You got to expect. Well, James, you beat me on that one. You'd think after a while he'd learn. But listen to me. Listen to me. Your your Christian life should be fun and, and a whole slew of miracles every day. Every day that you get up out of your bed, you should say, today I'm expecting. Ron Griffith and I took a Spanish class together right after I got out of college. This has been like 40-something years ago. And it was up at the high school. There was a, a man there, a high school Spanish teacher. I don't remember his name, but he was teaching college uh, Spanish. So we took the class, and, and during the break every day, we got to talking. And I said, you know, we ought to, let, let's stretch our faith a little bit. And so we came up with this idea. Every day for seven days, we are going to get up. And the first thing we do when we get up out of bed, Lord, today I'm expecting you to bring somebody uh, across my path that needs a miracle. And I will obey you, whatever you tell me to do. Amen. And I said, next week when we come back, we will report what happened. Do you know that both of us, every day of the week, met somebody that needed to be healed or saved or had a financial burden? Every day. And I don't know how many people were saved during that week, but it was several and what I want to challenge you to do, why can't you and me, why can't we do that? Why can't we join together? And why can't you pray for me and I'll pray for you? We were talking the other day about growing, uh, growth in this church, and we're going, to, we're going to create some things that we'll give you later, but we're going to create a nice uh, uh, a bulletin kind, kind of a thing with a picture of the church on it that you can give to people. And, and let's see if we can, uh, let's, let's, let's go out and get some of these oil people. Amen? You know, some churches say, ah, we don't want them to oil trash. You don't want them in your church. I want all of them I can get. Two of the finest people I know in the oil business are sitting right here. And I love them. And if you don't know them, you're missing out. They are a blessing. I don't even know where I am on this. Yeah. I know one thing. I, when I read that scripture, Jesus said, the things I have done, you shall do in greater. Because I go to the Father, I got excited. That's the way God wants to use you. Stop arguing with God about, well, I don't, it's just for the disciples. Come on, just fully on that. I want you to get brave. I want you to ask God every day when you get up, Lord, send me somebody today that I can pray for. And, Lord, give me the boldness to do it. There's been three people raised from the dead in my ministry, and all three times I said the same sentence. I rebuke you, spirit of death, in Jesus' name. All three of them. They were dead, and they lived. You can do the same thing. But I guarantee you one thing. If you don't do anything, that's exactly what will happen. Nothing. 
Amen? Close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, while you're sitting there, eyes closed, I want you to think this. If God were to come right now and tell you that if you would just ask him, for some ability, praying for the sick, praying for people that had financial needs, whatever it is. And he said to you, whatever you ask for, I'll give it to you today. Now pray that right now. Just pray it in your mind. Lord, whatever you say, and I am I am willing to obey you. Now, as you're praying that, just get up out of your seat and come down here real quick. we got five minutes left. Come on. If you're, you're here and you mean it, don't come if you don't mean it. Stand right on that line. I need, I need a couple of men to come down and help me, please. You want to obey God. You're, you're tired of living a, a boring Christian life. You want to pray for people that have a, a sickness in their life and watch them be healed. You want to be used by God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Cindy, the Lord says to you, <clears throat> you have much need for healing more than you even thought. And so we will go slow, you and I. But but remember as I share this with you, that I love you. And it's your best interest I have in my heart. You shall be healed to the point that you will never lose your healing. When the enemy comes to strike you dead, when the enemy comes to take away the blessings that I've done in your life, you will stand against him and he will flee because you're healed. Today we're starting this healing in Jesus' name from top to the bottom. Thank you, Lord. Tell everybody what your last name is now. Wheeler. Cindy Wheeler. In Jesus' name, I speak a blessing over you. In Jesus' name, I speak to you that the gifts are going to flow through you. Prophetic utterances are going to flow through you. You're going to pray for the sick, and they shall be healed. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you, Jesus. Terry, the Lord says you're going to have to follow after me. You're going to have to walk in faith. You're going to have to believe me. You're going to have to understand what it is that I'm saying to you and act upon that and that alone. Don't add to my words, saith the Lord. Just do what I tell you to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All of your life, Jim, you thought, well, it was just plain Jim. You were wrong. This is Jim. This is James. You pray right behind him. In Jesus' name, I command over your mind obedience and wisdom. In Jesus' name, you are a mighty man of God. People have made fun of you because you're emotional. He said, I gave you that. It's a gift. And as you pray over my people with emotion, they will be healed. You watch and see. And I have put beside you this woman. Thank you, Lord, for Sandy. You ladies in here are missing out. If you've got a need and you haven't approached this woman for help, uh, Liz and I will not be jealous. 
you walk to this woman right here, if you're a lady and you need a word from God, that's who you need to go to. Just lift my sister up to you, and Lord, you see her need. You see her desire, Father, to serve and to serve you, Father, to walk in the center of your will and your presence. Father, I ask that you just touch her right now to her and to her prayer and to her need and to the cry of her heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tell everybody what your first name is. Carmen Fitt. Carmen, we love you. God has a plan for your life. Don't be discouraged. Wait. Don't run. Wait. That's good. Everybody reach your hand out toward this woman. In Jesus' name, I speak over her patience. It's what she asked for. And as you have as you will walk in faith, saith the Lord, you shall see the power of my gifts descend upon you. And when I speak to you that I'm going to do a certain thing, you will learn to wait. Because the greatest things will require you to wait. But when those things are delivered to you, you shall be so glad, says the Lord. Because not only am I going to give you what you asked for, but I'm going to also grow you up. Grow you up in strength. Grow you up. And everybody lift your hands out toward this woman. Linda, you are a blessing to us and our church. This is a powerful woman of God. This is another woman you need to get to. Ladies, if you have a need, seek her out. She hears from God. And I speak healing to you. I speak healing to you. Do you, you hear me? Take a deep breath. Blow out. Don't, don't worry. I will be your companion. I will be your husband until the time is right. Just seek me and stay with me, says the Lord. I have the same word I had for you the other day. Wait. Go slow. You're doing a good thing by seeking me. I'm pleased, says the Lord. But seek me in my time and not yours so that whatever I reveal to you will be permanent and you will not be cheated out of it. You got that? God has a plan for you. Wait on it. Thank you, Jesus. Carrie, you are a fine wife. And I know your husband knows that, wherever he is. David, this is a fine woman. You are such a lucky guy. Lord, I'm asking you to bless her, bless her children, bless her dog, bless their home and everything they possess. And, Lord, just touch her. Bless their finances. Have you sold your house yet? It's coming. You watch and see. It's coming. It's coming. They got a house they need to sell. Abby, uh, how long has your husband been gone? Year and a half. Are you doing okay? Doing okay. Jesus, we want you to know that we love you and you're important here. Father, I lift up Abby. I'm asking you to bless her, bless her son, bless her whole family. And Lord, just bless her presence in this church. She's important here. She does many things that are a blessing to many people. You better get ready, Yolanda, because God's fixing to start using you. Are you ready? You mean it? I want you, the Lord says, I want you to look for need. 
I'm going to say it again. The Lord says, I want you to look for need. When you see need, don't wait on me. I'm waiting on you. You go to the need and you ask what it is, and then I will show you how to pray. Do you hear him? Oh, Jesus. Need to pray for Shauncey. This is Jean's daughter. Uh, she's had a very serious uh, brain stem problem. I wouldn't be able to say it if I knew what it was. Uh, it could take her life, but how many of you know that God wants to give her life? So I'm praying, uh, Jean, every time you pray, uh, talk to her on the phone, every time you speak to her through a letter, email, or whatever it is, that the power of God will come through your mouth, through your mind, and into your daughter. That Not only her, but God's going to give you a healing ministry to the people that you minister to as a nurse every day. The Lord says, I'm pleased with you, Charles. Just go at the rate you're going. Go slow and wait on me. I'm going to, I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to show you what real ministry is and how some people are not following you in ministry. In fact, they are trying to use me to further their own agenda and not mine. I'm going to reveal many things to you like that, and I'm going to give you a ministry. Are you listening? I'm going to give you a ministry to ministers. Oh, I know. People say, oh, Charles, he can't have a ministry to ministry. You'll do what I tell you. Everybody reach your hands out here. Jesus. I speak healing to Debbie. Father, I'm asking you to open up the door so that she can receive what she's entitled to. Disability. Some people cheat. They lie. Because they don't want to work. That's not her. So, Father, I'm asking you to open that door, Satan. We bind you and cast you out. Father, thank you for touching her. How can I pray? You need to be healing your body. I know that from top to bottom. And I appreciate what you said. And I believe God is going to use you. You keep coming to the ladies' things. You need to yield your. And I, said, I know you have. You need to yield yourself to Liz and other ladies here that can help you, Cindy, and uh, they will help you. And you will have a ministry here that's going to blow your mind. Okay, everybody reach your hands out this way. Anxiety is a fancy word for good old fear, and it ain't good. Amen? So right now we join our prayers with you. We cast you out, Satan. Every evil spirit that has been given an assignment against you, we bind that assignment and we cancel it and cast it out. Satan, you are bound. I'm asking you, mighty God, to put angels around her so that anxiety has to go. Now, Take a nice deep breath. Blow it with your mouth. In Jesus' name. Mighty God. The, the Lord says, do not receive from any person, saved or unsaved, any suggestion that you are not worthy. This is God speaking. I have made you worthy. You will follow after me and obey me. The things I have told you that you will do, you will do. I love you, says the Lord, and I'm not changing my mind. 
It's for David, Jesus' name. Lord, this is a man who loves you. I've talked to him many times. He has a sensitivity towards the Holy Spirit. Father, I'm asking you to help him sell his house. Protect him, Father, from those in the government that would like to cheat him. But, Father, I'm asking you to just deliver to him a ministry that will even amaze him. Father, in Jesus' name, may he walk from this day forward in healing. Not only healing of your body, but healing of your mind, your soul, and your spirit. In Jesus' name, may it be so. Thank you, mighty God. Now, Eric, the Lord loves you. Are you listening? And Eric, the Lord wants you to rise up and be bold. You're already bold in the gifts of music and dance. But he said, I want you to be bold with your mouth. I have given you the skills of the English language. You already have them. The, the Lord says, do not let the enemy take that from you. I have given it to you. It's a miracle. And he says, I want you to allow me to use you because you have the heart that I'm looking for. As you go today, I'd like you to hug five people. Don't smother them. Just hug them and say, I love you. You're dismissed. May God bless you. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.